This is episode 128 with Anthony Minicello. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. You're about to hear from one of Australia's greatest athletes and one of the best rugby league players in the world. But as usual, when I get high-performance athletes and coaches onto this podcast, we don't really talk too much about his sport. It's an epic chat about health and well-being, particularly around healthy eating and healing injuries through healthy eating and other lifestyle choices. So if you're human, and you're interested in the ability of what the human body can actually do to repair itself through smarter choices, and I'm not just talking about only buying expensive organic foods, it's a mix of way more than that when we talk about the healthy eating. So if you are that human and you're interested in that ability of what the human body can actually do, then you'll really get a lot of value from this episode. Our whole chat aligns so congruently with my beliefs and my experiences of gut health and improving your life through respecting this area of your health. And I want to remind you while we're talking about gut health of our online program that's kicking off soon because when you hear this chat with Minnie, so Minnie is Anthony's nickname, short for Minicello, when you hear this chat, it will likely trigger your curiosity to want to know more and have a place of resources on what you learn around all of these topics. And that's exactly what our program is designed to do. Functional medicine practitioner, Carl Hewan and I have created the program, Optimal You, how to transform and optimize your gut health and gut brain connection to help you cut through the confusion and the noisy space around your health and well-being. We teach you how to make smarter choices and why it's so important to your quality of life. There's also practical components to really help you dial in your gut-brain connection and you have access to all the resources forever. And that's the feedback that we've been getting a lot that people are loving, that there's the live components but it's also they come to it into their own time and they can reflect on it over and over and over, print some of the resources, ask us questions, really get to know this area, this all-important area really well. So there's many reasons why I'm so passionate about this program, including being part of it being my mission and purpose in alignment with that. But it's also because I wish I knew these things about food and healthy eating many, many years ago. And you'll hear Minnie and I discussing in this episode how bad our food choices were for periods of our life, even at times when we believed that we were eating really well because because we're in high-performance sport and then also because the Australian diet promotes this so-called healthy way of eating. Now, as you've heard on other episodes, 
of me discussing the gut health program. We've had school principals, stay-at-home parents, busy corporate clients, mining and construction workers on FIFO schedules, just such an array of different people all complete this online program with amazing results and feedback. So if you are keen to start feeling better, thinking more clearly, understanding how to heal the body and also prevent sickness, disease and injury, I highly recommend you jump onto the website and check out all the details of the program to get a greater understanding of what we offer. And then just shoot me an email or a message on social media with any questions at all. So jump on to yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. Here's what I'm also going to do. If you jump on there and you've missed the early bird discount, but you message me or email me, and all my details are on the website, and let me know that you heard this episode, but you missed the early bird discount, I'm going to give it to you anyway. So just contact me. So yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. Okay, so quickly, who is Anthony Minicello? He's an Australian former professional rugby league footballer who captained the Sydney Roosters in the National Rugby League and retired after having set records for the most games and most tries in the club's history. He's an Australian and Italy international player as well as a New South Wales State of Origin representative. He played his entire career with the Roosters, one team only. And in that time, he won the 2002 and 2013 NRL Premierships and retired in 2014. He also won the Golden Boot Award for International Player of the Year in 2005. The interesting thing about his career that you'll hear many talk about, that 2013 Premiership win was after a few years of back-to-back injuries and not playing and being told by surgeons that he should give up the sport because his spine couldn't handle it. Mini is also the creator of MiniFit, which is improving the growth and development of children through physical exercise and education on healthy eating, sleep, and hydration. Minnie is also a mentor for the Change Room program. Now, you've heard me talk about the Change Room program a lot on this podcast, and I've had other mentors such as the founder, Maddie Elliott. We've had mentors, Dr. Ali Walker and Nam Baldwin on here. And it's through this brilliant program that I've been connected with and working with Minnie. In this episode, we discuss how Minnie helped heal chronic disc injuries in his spine through changing his approach to his eating, why surgeons told him he should give up playing football and why he went against this advice and proved them wrong. We dive deep into his four-step process around making healthier choices and why it's vital for all humans to consume foods and drinks consciously. We cover intermittent fasting, whole foods, danger of certain oils, benefits of healthy fats, the power of bone broth and so much more around specifics of healthy food choices. We discuss why it's not actually more expensive to eat well and how you can do it so affordably. Uh, We talk about how he and I have always been fit, but not always been healthy and why we were led to believe that we were healthy. We discuss athlete transition in alignment with purpose and his passion and purpose to improve the growth and development of children. And we cover so much more. It really is a great great chat covering so much around health and well-being and growth and development so now let's hear 
from the legend himself, Anthony Minicello. Obviously, I played for the Roosters for a long time, uh, 18 years at, at the one club. And I grew up in Liverpool on five acres. You know, movement and exercise and sport was a massive part of my life. Younger brother, younger sister. Uh, and I was pretty lucky to get signed at the Roosters at 16 years of age. And, um, you know, we had a, a, a natural whole food upbringing on the farm, Italian heritage, where we would uh, cook um, or grow your own, cook your own, was the whole culture around the, the Italian way. So we had our own cows and chickens and eggs and all that type of stuff. So I had a really good um, foundation and upbringing um, with sport and, and good nutrition, good whole foods. And when I signed at the Roosters, uh, I was coming up through the lower grades and and so I made my first grade debut at age 19, year 2000, and I never seemed to get injured at all. I was um, always quite fit as a, as a player and and obviously moving out when you're living at Liverpool and training in the city, so I moved out at a young age. And the first six years of my career, I basically, I didn't, I didn't get injured um, at all. I didn't have any soft tissue injuries. I didn't get any broken bones. Obviously, it's a, it's a contact sport, so you get bumps and bruises as well. But by the time of the age of 26, I I um, had a, a huge run of injuries with, with uh, firstly, a ruptured disc in my lower back, uh, one of the lowest discs, discs, L5S1. And then the year after that, in 2007, the disc above uh, does the same thing, the L4-5 disc. And then in 2008, I had a huge disc bulge in my neck, C5, C6. That was uh, one millimetre away from my spinal cord. Um, so I had to really um, focus on my rehab then. And then the following year in 2009, when I thought I was on the right path of recovery and, and changing a few things in my lifestyle, uh, I had a major ligament damage in my ankle and a spiral fracture in my fibula, which is a small bone in your leg, and that was under my knee. So then I was out. So I had a period of a, or a run of injuries for four years in a row. Um, and that's when I started to sort of learn and educate myself on the power of nutrition and food for healing, basically. How, how did you learn about that? Yeah, that's so all the info. Now, we had access, we were a professional team, we had access to all the best specialists and doctors and and, you know, the, the information that was sort of handed to me was, you know, maybe find a new career because at the time my spine or all my discs in my spine were all black. So, you know, that means they were dehydrated and that's why they were bulging out, rupturing. And, um, and the doctors were saying to me that, you know, that, you know, you've got, I haven't seen a spine like this. You know, you see two or three degenerative discs. Um, and basically you can't rehydrate the disc once it's like this. You've just got to manage it. And that's what was told by many of physicians and doctors. Um, but I always had this burning desire. And it was actually my wife who um, sort of kept um, telling me, you know, you've got to find out why. Why is this happening? Find the, the, the root cause of this. You know, all the doctors, they want to treat the symptom. So I went on this quest to try and find some answers you know, I've seen countless amount of physicians and trainers and basically most or all of them were saying the same thing. It's really hard to hydrate a disc again. It's, you know, it's, I don't think it can be done. 
except one guy that I did find who was um, – you just had his fitness studio and he ties in a lot of uh, nutrition with his functional movement training. So he was one guy that said to me, you know, you can repair your spine, your your body, and rebuild your body again if you're willing to make sacrifices in your lifestyle um, and and train in the right ways. And, you know, once I got that news, I was invested in that straight away because I wanted to come back and play first grade football for the Roosters again. So I started working with him once a week um, and taking his training programs back uh, to the Roosters gym and he started educating me on you know, the power of nutrition and how it can decrease uh, inflammation in the body and promote healing. You know, the body naturally wants to heal itself if we allow it, if we give it the right foods, if we give it the right recovery, if we give it the right water. Uh, so I really started to delve into that because I was really fascinated uh, with um, the food side of it. And uh, that's that's when I started to you know, obviously read books and listen to lectures and, and podcasts. So why, there's a few questions I want to ask around why, but in terms yep. of you having an upbringing on, on whole foods and the good Italian heritage and, you know, even the, the healthy grown farming animals, but then yep. to get to that stage of your spine being in so much, um, you know, so dehydrated and, and just all these bulges. Why, how did it get from that stage of you being such a healthy young yep. child to, to that state? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good question. And that was, it was down to what I was doing. You know, I, I moved out of home. So once you move out of home, you're living with mates. So would, you know, you don't really cook it. You, you eat out every night. Um, and there was a, a, drinking culture in the game of rugby league back then and we used to drink every weekend after a game it was it was on all night some days multiple nights and then um obviously prescription medication as well so you now your bumps and bruises you get handed anti-inflammatories or a sleeping tablet or um, painkillers and it wasn't like you you get one it was you get handed the packet so you accumulate packets of this stuff, and it was just a slow downward spiral. So, I, so I, it took me it took six years because I didn't get injured for six years. So I had that strong foundation, but slowly my body was deteriorating for six years, and I wasn't listening to the signs. The inflammation in my body started to build, um, and we all know now that uh, inflammation or chronic inflammation can lead to chronic disease. Uh, for me, I was pushing my body to the limits of training every every day and then playing every weekend uh, and then drinking all weekend or taking sleeping tablets all week to what I thought was I was getting a good night's sleep or anti-inflammatories, which I thought they were helping me. Um, And there was a slow deterioration of my body and everyone's different. Everyone works in different ways. It was, was, for me, it was my spine that slowly started to dehydrate. And uh, when I speak on this subject now, I always show a photo of, when I was 25, I was handed, you know, the Golden Boot Award, one of these great award in rugby league. But I look at I look at my face, and it was so puffy. You know, my eyes were almost closed over, and the inflammation that was running through my body at that stage was out of control. And 
you know, I wasn't listening to that. My back would flare up every now and again and I'll just ignore it. I'll go out and do the same things every weekend. And then in the, the preseason of 2006, it all come crashing down and it come crashing down for four years. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that photo and it's really, really interesting to hear you talk about that and, and to show that for your reflection of that just that external puffiness as well. When mm. was it your neck injury that I've heard you say too, that when you were out on the training field and one of the physios ran out cause they'd just seen the scans and, and said, mate, you can't be running around here. You, you're so close to just, you're so fragile at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, I had, oh, I, I sort of was on the bench press leading into a game and I just pushed out a rep and I just twinged my neck and I thought you, you, I just pinched a nerve. I went out and played that game and by the end of that game, I just called for the water bottle to get some water out and I tried to squeeze it with my left hand. My wrist just sort of caved in. I had no power whatsoever in my left hand and wrist. And I thought, oh, that's weird. So I told the doctor and he went, that doesn't sound right. Let's get an MRI. We got the MRI the next day and we are preparing for a short turnaround. So we're back on the field the following day and the physio just come running out. Uh, on, on the field screaming my name, saying, Mini, Mini, get off, come to the side. And I was like, what's up? He said, mate, we just got your report back and you've got a significant disc bulge in your C5, C6 vertebra up in your, your neck and yet it's one millimetre away from your spinal cord. Like any type of hit could put you in a wheelchair. And that's, you know, I was a bit in shock and taken back and I didn't, I was, well, I just, you know, a thousand thoughts run through your head. Mm. Um, but I, I already had two back operations at that stage. I had another small disc bulge in my mid back and now I've got this huge disc bulge in my neck. And that's when I started to wonder like, now what's, what's going on with my spine? What, what's happening here? And that's when, that's when we went back and seen the surgeon and he MRI'd my whole spine and he just said, mate, you, you should find a new sport. <laughs> mm. Well, you mentioned there the operations. What were the operations that you actually had? So on, my first operation was a laminectomy on L5S1. So it's where they go in uh, from the back and they uh, shave a bit of bone to get into where the disc is and they clean the disc, the ruptured disc away from the nerve, from the sciatic nerve, which is hitting your sciatic nerve. So nerve pain was a common thing um, that I had all the time. And the following operation the, the year after was a similar operation, a disectomy, but it was just a touch smaller operation because he didn't want to weaken the structure of my um, of my spine because I wanted to come back and still play footy. And so that was in your earlier days. And then was it after that that you started to explore other options and went down the route of the with that other trainer and starting to look at nat- more natural ways to heal? After yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, it was, I already had the two back operations, 06, 07, uh, and then 08, I had the neck injury. And I think mid to end of 08, I met Aaron McKenzie. Um, so I started working with him and I, I felt I was on the right path with changing some of my uh, food and the, my lifestyle and um, focusing on uh, my training again. And then that preseason, I got, that uh, ankle injury. So I was out for another 22 weeks. <laughs> so I remember at the time ringing Aaron, I was like, I can't believe it. it's happened again. I thought we're on the right path. And he said, look, you know, this could be a blessing in disguise. You can actually 
take things a lot slower, build a stronger foundation this year, um, focus on um, more on your nutrition and not without having the to week to week pressure of training or playing a game. So that that year, two thousand and nine, was a real um, building year, rebuilding from the ground back up, and then. 2010 for the next five years well, when I was 30 now in professional sport your class is old um, <laughs> I played I played the next five years without any out in the injury again so what was what do you put that down to and then did did actually what I'm going to start with why because obviously that path worked well and we'll talk about exactly what you did and what changes you've made and what the food looks like yeah. for you but why why don't the surgeons believe in the natural regeneration of the body. What's what's been your experience of why they all said, "Look, the the discs can't heal themselves. The you know the option is quit your sport plus get surgery." Yeah, well, I suppose you know they're surgeons. They're trained in that certain way for operations and to see things um, black and white. And the thing is. Everybody is completely different with the way they recover, the way they heal, uh, the way they build muscle, build tissue in the body. So it's 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 hard. And and also their training is not on nutrition. Their training is not on how that nutrition can heal the body. Or their training is solely on seeing things black and white, doing the operation or not doing the operation. So you know. To, to a certain extent, you can't blame them for that um, because with nutrition, it's a slow, consistent process. If you do it consistently more times than not, then that's when you're going to start to feel the benefits. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel really strong again in my spine for probably three years. It took three years. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a long process. Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like you say, there's no, there's absolutely no blame. And I find that a lot in the medical industry where I've got friends who are doctors that, but if they come from a physio background, for example, or a different background that they've already got a lot of that education, they see things differently, but they, they say, I understand now why general practitioners are under so much pressure because they don't learn much about um, soft tissue structures and musculoskeletal injuries or anything like that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. So when, when you, so you say it took you a few years to feel really good. How, how did you know that you were back at full strength? Did you get more scans afterwards and did everything heal or did you need more surgeries through that period? So obviously the first, you know, the first things that I did was I, I threw out uh, all the prescription medication. i decrease my uh, consumption of alcohol and, um, you know, good nutrient-dense foods with good quality drinking water and, and good quality sleep. And then, you know, from that, you start to feel better, your mood's better, you think clearer, you can, you can feel you're your sleeping better, so then you're recovering better. Um, so I knew I was on the right path and we'll probably go into um, deeper with the nutrition soon, but I knew I was on the right path. Um, but the thing is I've had two operations in my lower back now, so that's my weak point. So, you know, aches and pains are there daily. Um, and for me, it was trying to make sure – I was going into a con- contact sport again, so trying to make sure that my foundation was really strong that I could go into playing a contact sport again without 
um, playing one game and then recovering and then, you know, can't get out of bed for the next two days because my back is so sore. Um, so that was a big indicator was the, the, the pain uh, decreasing in my body and feeling like my, it's not on my mind 24-7 because, you know, when you have a back operation and then have another one, you know, your, your subconscious is a bit scarred. You're, you're thinking about it all the time. You go into a tackle or, or, or a session and you're just, you know, worried about it. And, and for me, when that faded away, when I was going into the contact or uh, doing a heavy session and my mind wasn't on that, that's when I knew that I was in the right place. Mm. Yeah, I could imagine even for people that aren't playing a contact sport that have injuries of the spine, and I've worked a lot with people who have a slipped disc, like something pretty minor, mm. let alone for you to go back into that contact sport, and especially too with um, after getting the C5, C6 diagnosis and knowing how close that was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that one there, I had nerve pain running down my hand all the way down to my, my wrist, and that's why I had no power in in my in my hand or wrist when I tried to pick up things or squeeze a water bottle, um, and so you said yeah, that was that pretty once, scary. Once that mindset was there of oh I'm actually not thinking about my back now I'm just going doing the sessions or going in to play without that on my mind. Did you then did you get clarification that through scans that everything was all right? Yeah, so um, you know. I, for, for me now, I always you know read up on a lot of things, but I like to test everything on my own body to see if it's working and and to see if it does um, validate you know the scientific backing. So I, I rescanned my spine again in 2014 um, when I that was my last year 2014. So I rescanned my spine, and this is a photo I do show as well when I when I chat to uh, people is the difference in the way my spine looks now compared to 2007. There was one image, 2007, where all my discs are black, all of them, and you can you can see it. And then 2014 scan is my discs are all white again. They've rehydrated, um, except the two that I operated on because they were damaged, obviously. Um, but they even looked a little bit healthier. But the, all the discs above that looked fantastic, and I've shown – uh, a, a specialist these images and he's like mate the, your spine now looks fantastic it looks unbelievable uh, so that's just validation that um, you know what you put in your mouth really matters you know not not just for um, short-term en- energy production or feeling good daily um, it matters long term for long term health. Let's talk about that. What what is it? What are your beliefs then around the what is important to put in your mouth and what what are you teaching people? What are the changes that you found works for you, but is also you know something that all humans should be doing? Yep. So yeah. So I have, I have four steps basically, four simple steps that uh, people can implement uh, in their daily lifestyle. And the first step is. Uh, know the source of your food. So know what you're eating. Eat, eat real food with real nutrients. So knowing the source of your food means if we're buying any type of protein, then it has to be pasture-raised, grown naturally on its own pastures. So if we take beef, for example, um, when, you, when you look into these industries, um, you know, the, the, the feedlots or the, the grain-fed 
uh, or the grain feeding of cows um, is is it's it's pretty shocking when you look into it because you know cows are meant to eat grass, not grain. Um, now grain really um, disrupts their digestive system, makes them sick. Actually, they 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 get heavier and people sell them for a higher price. So that's that's one thing. Or they they feed them grain as well, or or they don't rotate um, the traditional farming's farming ways. They don't rotate their crops around in different sections so the soil can regenerate the grass will grow um by the time they get round to the the first crop again the grass is nice and green for the cow so the nutrients gets transferred into the cow and and then to us when we consume it so you know grain fed uh, meat um is throwing out you know all the omega sixes to omega threes so that we're eating we're eating sick animals and that's what we don't want because that if we're eating sick animals, then it, it's just building more inflammation in our bodies. So, you know, getting grass-fed uh, beef and lamb and free-range chicken and pork is is very, very important. Um, and getting to know your local butcher uh, is even more important. Uh, asking him these questions, is this pasture-raised protein? Is it grass-fed meat? Do you sell grass-fed? Um, you know, finding uh, local farmers markets or butchers where you can actually have a good relationship uh, with these guys to know where your food's coming from um, is, is very important. And my, my uncle used to own a conventional chicken farm years and years ago. And, you know, these chickens are just squashed in um, big sort of areas, temperature controlled, not let outside, uh, fed hormones and antibiotics because they need to grow these chickens because the big corporations need to come and pick them up by this date and that's the date. Otherwise, they go, they go to someone else. Um, so, in effect, we're again, we're eating animals that are, that are sick. So, trying to get some organic free-range produce is is vital. And, and, and it's the same with vegetables and fruits as well. You know, buying seasonal stuff is is what we should be doing. You know, if we're getting fruits and veggies all year round, that means it's coming from a long way away. And I've, I've spoken to horticulturists and they say that the, the stuff that's coming from overseas, they spray with a certain toxin over the, the fruit or veg to keep it looking fresh for longer so it can withstand the, the flight and then by the time it gets onto the shelves, you know, some, sometimes we're eating apples you know, 10 months old. Um, but it, it looks great because they've sprayed something on it to make it look great. So that's just added toxicity that is getting into our bodies. Um, so buying stuff that is, is seasonal and buying um, stuff that's, uh, you know, if you can, organic, or if you, if you just look up the clean 15 or the dirty dozen is quite important. The dirty dozen, uh, some fruits and vegetables that really soak in herbicides and pesticides. Um, uh, which is we should be trying to get those organic or um, wash them or soak them uh, in water with apple cider vinegar so it can lift the, those toxins out or off the fruit and then rinse them after. Um, because, again, with farming now, it's, all, it's getting more mass-produced. So mass-produced farming, therefore, brings in, in insects and that means that have the herbicide and pesticide the fruit or veg a lot more. So that's um, another thing they've really looked into as well. And when you look into this, it's like oh, I, can't, I can't believe it. Like our, our food system is getting more toxic as we uh, get down um, 
the industrialization of, of our food system over the last 50 or 60 years, it, it, it's getting worse. So sort of looking at farmers markets and local things in your area where local farmers come in or well, the, the, the best one is if you've got room uh, at home is to start your own little veggie patch. And that's, um, that's, that could be quite fun as well with, with your kids incorporate, to incorporate that. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy once you start to go down that. It, I shouldn't say go down that rabbit hole and, and, you know, you don't say this kind of stuff to scare people off. It's just a realisation mm. of, well, actually, yeah. yeah, that is the the world that we're just so used to now is that everything is so readily available, but it doesn't yes. mean we should be ingesting it. <laughs> that's right. I know that, that's, you know, you can, with a touch of a button, you can get food sent to your your doorstep you know so it's mm. getting back to that sort of old old way of um cooking good produce so that so that was step one is know know the source of your food so try and get a, a good source of pastured protein a good source of fruit and veg seasonal fruit and vegetables um and then my step two is the process of that so what do you do how do you cook it what oils do you cook with um and this is quite important because you know it's just say you buy a um, organic free range chicken and you want to do a roast chicken and you get it all sorted with your veggies and you put it in the oven and then you just put it on 200 degrees and you cook it within half hour. You're, you're burning all the nutrition out of that uh, bird. You're burning all the enzymes and the good fat soluble vitamins out of, of that animal. So you're in effect not getting the, the most nutrition uh, that you can. And, but you know, you said you, thought you bought a free-range chicken, but then you've, you've cooked it way too quick. So cooking things long and slow. Um, so if you cook in the oven, I, I don't cook higher than 130 degrees. Or I get a, a, I use a slow cooker a lot, uh, which is uh, quite easy because you just hit low and, and cook things overnight and cook things all day and it, it doesn't, um, you can't stuff it up basically. Um, so, that, so when you cook things long and slow, um, you are – keeping all the enzymes and the good nutrition intact. So when we consume it, we get the most benefit out of it. So when you're going to the butcher as well, you buy, you buy the, the cheaper cuts like the lamb shanks or the, um, the, the shin bone, the osobuco or all these cuts that are much tougher and cheaper really to buy. But when you cook them for long and slow periods of time, they just fall off the bone and become really nutritious because these these different cuts or the slow cook cuts are the connective tissue muscles of the animal. So if you're getting getting a good source of your food that's pasture raised protein, then you're cooking it long and slow with all the connective tissue muscles of the animal, which is the ligaments, tendons, and cartilage. And then we're eating that. That's going to repair our body. That's going to repair our um, collagen production, our ligaments and tendons and muscles a lot quicker than we're if we're eating, um, you know, grain-fed meat or uh, something that's cooked really quick, and that that's so that's 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 step two is the source your food, how to cook it, cook things long and slow, and the other part to step two is, you know, what oils you, do you cook with, you know, um, you know throwing all the uh, vegetable oils and canola oil out because those um, vegetable oils are highly highly unstable. You know, they they are they well, they create free radicals when they're heated up and free radicals in our body creates plaque buildup in our blood vessels and arteries. So we're slowly poisoning ourselves to chronic disease with these with these vegetable oils. You know, and they were lauded as the healthy oil to cook with. 
back in you know, the late 60s and 70s when the low-fat era came in. Um, and slowly from that point on, you know, heart diseases ramped up, chronic diseases ramped up, type 2 diabetes gone through the roof. And this is worldwide, not just in Australia. This is worldwide. So we've lost the ability to consume natural fats again. So consuming natural fats is, is vital, vital for healing, vital for our, our, our cells to be healthy and to build uh, good building blocks for, for, for us as, as humans. Um, so consuming more natural fats is, is very important um, from, from natural foods. So cooking with you know, butter that's from grass-fed cows or uh, duck fat or beef tallow, um, you know, extra virgin olive oil on, on warm heat or just over salads is great. Uh, coconut oil and all, all these types of oils can withstand heat so they're stable under heat uh, but then offer us nutrition as well you know we've we've in the past we've we've been told now you don't consume these fats because it clogs your arteries and that's totally disproven that's totally disproven in science um, and you now chronic disease is getting worse because we're not um, consuming natural fats anymore so, you know, if it's one thing that you do is definitely throw the vegetables out and start cooking with more natural fats like butter, coconut oil, uh, beef tallow, extra virgin olive oil. Um, is that, That's an important, important point. That's a really good point because I think in, in Australia particularly, like I know I grew up on canola oil and those kind of oils because my parents thought that they were doing the right thing and they thought that- Yeah, that, that's right. Like you said, that they were- led to believe that that was the healthy way to eat. And so yeah. I went through that stage too of then when I moved out of home at 17 and I was training at the AIS and, you know, doing all my own cooking because I didn't live on campus and using all those kind of things and thinking I was doing the right thing. I was shit scared mm. of fat because we were told fat was bad. So I was on low yeah. fat everything, the low fat yogurts, low fat milk, and still thinking yeah. that I needed a lot of that kind of dairy product for the calcium aspect and everything. But I think the what you're saying there about the oils, it's that slow process to the clogging of the arteries and all the byproducts and the, everything else that's going on that can lead to chronic disease. And that's what I feel like with a lot of this sort of stuff is when people are consuming these and then they don't feel instant. It's not like you have something and feel instantly sick. So it's hard for them to yes. just join the dots, which we'll probably talk a lot about with, with everything that we go into. Also, just going back to the the processing part, you talked a lot there about the meat and I'm a massive fan and I make my own bone broths and um, yep. and and I know you do too and, you know, the, the lamb shanks and all those slow cooking processes is bloody brilliant. Actually, here yeah. in Sweden too because we spend a lot of time here. I'm in Sweden at the moment. Um, yeah. I get all the – they have the elk hunting season. Oh, and, great. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And the town, the small country town that we're in, uh, halfway up the country and a lot of people, you know, they, they all the good quality meats and everyone's just filling their freezers for the winter. And yeah, then I was going around saying, can I have the bones? Can I have the bones? And they're like, no, we, why? We're giving to the dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I've been, I actually did another big batch yesterday from bones that I collected in November, uh, 2017. Hey, I still had a heap of the freezer here. So yeah, mate, it's, um, and that's the thing like that the, you just get so much nutrient density and all the essential amino acids and everything like that from a slow cooked bone broth and it's bloody delicious. Oh, it is delicious, yeah. So bone broth was probably one of the 
the uh, big things in my healing and rehydrating of my of my spine. So um, you just touched on it then. It's just boiling bones for 24 hours or longer at, at a real slow, slow heat. So I either throw it in the slow cooker, hit, hit it on low, and I cook that. Just leave it. Salt and pepper, a bit of apple cider vinegar, and it's obviously filled it, fill it up with water. Um, and I just leave it there for 24 hours, just simmering away. And what that does is it draws all the fat-soluble vitamins out of the bones. It draws all the collagen and those amino acids. So when we consume that, um, that is like liquid gold. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is really repairing our collagen production. So when, when you think of our muscular skeletal system, you know, our bones, ligaments, tendons, cartilage, muscles, it's, it's all made up of collagen. Now, as and as we age, our collagen production decreases naturally. So that's just the aging process. So, you know, having collagen powder or having bone broth uh, is vital for repair of of, of everything: skin, nails, hair, our, our joints, uh, decreasing inflammation, rebalancing gut bacteria. So, bone broth is is liquid gold. You know, and not I I my daughter she loves the chicken bone broth. So I'm. I'm making that every couple of weeks and um, you know, then I throw in some lamb bones or the beef. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really useful tool that we can all uh, do and it costs nothing. Like when, I, when I started this in 2008, butchers were just throwing away bones, like you said. They will just <laughs> throw them away because they thought it was for the dog. But now they're actually selling this. They actually sell them now because bone broth has become quite popular. But, you know, I... I, I Thinking back when my Italian heritage and my grandparents and they never wasted anything on the animal. You know, we used to get the cow in, get a local butcher, and we used to, like you said, chop it all up and put it in the freezer for the year, and nothing was wasted, nothing at all. Mm. Yeah, and when you say there that bone broth was a big part of your rehab, did you switch? Did you start using bone broth instead of all the processed kind of protein powders and using bone broth? Yeah. In- all the essential yeah so yeah obviously being in a professional team there's you get fed protein powder gatorade and you know all all that stuff daily because we're sponsored by it you know i Mm -hmm. got i got rid of all that i I didn't take any of it so i started making my own smoothies where they were all coconut water based um and i would make my own i would have raw eggs in there or raw egg yolks, and I'll have cacao, um, either banana or berries, and I'll, I'll have collagen powder in there as well. So the collagen powder is similar to bone broth, but it's just a dried form uh, of, um, of collagen, and that would be my protein source in my, in my smoothies. So I would, do, I would bring, I would make a big one. I would have one for breakfast at the time, and then I would have one waiting for after my gym session. Instead of, you know, all the boys would go after the gym session, they would get the, the processed protein powders and they'll dump it in and, and they'll have all that. So I, I had my own one. So preparation became key for me. Preparation was, was the key. You know, doing a lot of slow cooks all the time. So I had food on hand so where I could bring that into training and, and bring my own smoothie into training. So I did that daily. So I always had nutrient-dense food on offer. Um, and I just started, that's the way I started to rebuild uh, the tissues in my body. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I've been in an athlete and a staff member in high performance sport my whole whole life. And I've, 
I've seen it as a staff member and I've been involved in it as an athlete around the whole belief of the the simple carbohydrates, the sugars, the energy drinks, et cetera, mm. for sustained energy. And, you know, the, yep. if you don't have all of this, then then how do you expect to for you to play the full game or last mm. intense training sessions, et cetera? Why why do you believe that that philosophy still exists in in high performance sport? Is it the ease of it? Is it a monetary thing with sponsor? Is it a mixture? Um, well, it's it, it is a bit of a mixture, I suppose. But a conventional nutritionist, which um, they tell you, you know, you got to eat five, six, seven times a day, keep your metabolism up, and that that's again totally disproven as well. Um, the yeah, the body does the body has two energy systems it burns sugars and it burns fats so if if you're uh, a sugar burner you, you, well the body's naturally wants to do both you know it wants to be you want your body to be metabolically flexible so it can burn fats it can burn sugars and you know any carbohydrate is digest digested the sugar in the body so if, if we're on a standard australian diet eating five six times a day um then our bodies never get to go into fat burning mode, never get to go in ketosis. Uh, and that's, and that's a problem down the track long term with the body's just burning sugar all the time, it's burning sugar all the time. Um, because when we eat carbohydrates or even you know, processed carbohydrates, I'm not saying carbohydrates are bad, but when we eat carbo processed carbohydrates, um, our blood sugar rises and spikes and then it dips. Now, sugar in the blood is toxic, so the pancreas has to release insulin to get the, the sugar out of the blood to push it out to your liver and muscles as glycogen, as an energy source. Um, but the, the problem is we have only got a short amount of glycogen storage in our body. It's only four to 500 grams of storage, and that's not much at all. So if, if we're always eating a standard Australian diet five, six times a day, our glycogen stores are full. Um, so what happens to us if they're full, you know, in, in some people, their body fat rises, that's, that just stores as body fat in other people, uh, it's the, the sugar stays in their blood and they, be, they become a type two diabetic. Now, all this stuff is reversible. If we try and get our body to be more flexible in burning fats and then burning sugars. And the only way the body can actually burn fats is if we eat, um, more natural fats, good quality protein and get out and eat our carbohydrates through vegetables and fruits, not processed foods. Or if we do some intermittent fasting as well, where you, you, you give your digestion a rest for 12 hours each day. So the body can actually go from burning sugars to burning fats. And that's, that's, you know, in our human body evolution, that's what we were designed to do. You know, we were designed to go into both areas where the body burns fats certain time then it burns sugars when we eat um so that, that this leads into my next step is step three is you know decreasing our consumption of uh processed foods and um grains and um those bad oils which really elevate our blood sugar um to the point where you know you have a dip and you're oh, I need, i'm hungry again so if you you know i think everyone can experience can relate to this where you've had a big carbohydrate meal, so a big bowl of pasta, and an hour later or two hours later, you're hungry again. That's just your blood sugar spiking when you eat it and you feel really full. And then an hour and a half, your blood sugar drops and you feel like you need to eat again. And that's just a cycle of um, processed foods. That's what it does. It sp spike, dip, oh, I need to eat again, spike, dip. So you're doing that 
every day. It's just um, it's it's not good for the body long term. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like once again, when when I was an athlete, but also even after that, when I didn't have all of this knowledge, I would be eating, thinking I was eating really healthy with, like I said, the low fat um, yogurts and drinking the low fat milk. And then, you know, eating the, when I was a lot younger, eating a lot of the the so-called healthy breakfast cereals, the healthy fruit, and not really understanding what I was actually putting my body through, eating a lot of those healthy breakfast bars and cereal bars, all the ones with the health food ticks and, you know, looking back to my parents and I think, wow, they were actually doing the best that they could thinking that they were giving me a lot of, it it probably was giving me a lot of energy, but what was it to go through life with those beliefs and those practices and what I was doing once I stopped playing so much sport and being so active and then what I was doing to my body with all those spikes and dips. No wonder, I used to say, I used to say I was afraid of, um, of being hungry and so therefore I'll, I'll yes. sort of eat every you know two hours yeah. max and I used to I was, the same. To eat. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I was exactly the same you know and then that's that you know that's what these the big corporations do that they 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 obviously advertise to that market and then you know if, if you don't uh, if you're not into your nutrition like I was back in my early 20s and you're just seeing advertising all the time, you, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, eat this cereal, eat this bar, you know, you just, you, you believe it. That's, that's the way it is. So, you know, it's it's the big corporation sort of um, brainwashing us that we need to eat. <laughs> we need to eat because mm. obviously that makes them more billions. <laughs> of course. Bloody oath. Now we'll we'll talk about fasting. What's step four? Yep. So that this is step four is, is the fasting, intermittent okay. fasting. So so going without to gain health. So, you know, as we've been led to believe, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, you know. And that's that's totally disproven as well. You know, when if we look at the last sixty years, we're on average sleeping a lot less. So when when we sleep or when we when the body's in a fasted state and it's not eating, the digestion gets the chance to rest and shut down and the body starts to uh, increase growth hormone and uh, healing properties. So the body naturally, uh, like we said before, naturally wants to heal itself, but it can only heal when we're in a fasted state because when we eat, a lot of energy production goes into digestion. So the body will only start to heal itself and promote healing if we're in a, in a fasted state. Now, if we're sleeping on average a lot less than we were 50 years ago and then we wake up and being told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and then we eat from breakfast to dinner seven meals a day, then we sleep six hours again and we do it again, you know, what, are, what are we doing to our bodies? We're actually uh, get, creating more inflammation and creating chronic disease. So giving your digestion a rest, I always talk about the first step is to do step one, two, and three. But the first step, if you're interested in fasting, is to give your body or your digestion a rest for 12 hours. So if I finished eating at 7 o'clock last night, then I don't eat till 7 a.m. So that's, that's my minimum every day is 12 hours. Uh, and then if you want to get into the extended fasting where you've probably heard of 16-8 where uh, there's all different protocols but you can tailor it to your own lifestyle that where you, you don't eat for 16 hours and you've got an eight-hour window of eating. So when, when you go into extended you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, the body will start to 
uh, ramp up that growth hormone and promote healing in the body. And, and if you go even a bit longer than that, longer than 16 hours, the body will induce a thing called autophagy. And that, that, that word just means self-cleansing, self-eating. So the body will eat all the old tissues, damaged cells in the body first as energy because that, now you're getting into fat burning. Your body's burning its own fats and its own tissues for energy. And that's a natural part of the human body. Um, and, but the, the problem is no one gets into this state anymore because um, we're eating too much. So for me, I, for me, Monday to Friday, I'm two meals a day, basically. Or even sometimes one meal. Um, then weekends, I'm pretty relaxed. Um, so I'm always giving my digestion a rest and then I'm extending that window some days. So I am going to promote that healing even quicker, decrease that pain that I have or decrease that inflammation that I might have running through the body. And again, I've obviously read up on this a lot and I'm very interested in it, but I test this on my own body. So I did, I ate at lunchtime one day and then I tested myself the following day at 11 o'clock before I ate. So it was a 24 hour fast and my growth hormone was eight times higher than what it was previous, eight times higher. Eight that, times that just, higher the, for when you were eight times higher than when, like when you would eat within a twelve-hour window, or if you ate breakfast, lunch, yeah. Dinner, or if I if I if if I I checked my results a couple of years before, and that's when I was just on the standard diet, eating lots every day, and my growth hormone was point nine. When I did that twenty-four hour, my growth hormone was eight point nine. 8.9 from 0.9 to 8.9. Now we all know growth hormone is the hormone that um, keeps us young, repairs the building blocks for our muscles. Um, you know, everyone wants high growth hormone, but you know, hormones fluctuate; they go up and down, obviously. Um, but if if we're eating the standard Australian diet um, and we're eating lots uh, high processed foods, then we're just shutting down our ability to promote healing and uh, shutting down our growth hormone. And, and, and yeah, go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, and you think about what they do when people have to go in for chemotherapy. What do they say? You, you've got to go in in a fasted state. Why? Yeah. Because the body goes yeah. into its best natural healing state. So totally. if, it can, if, it, if they're suggesting that we do that to fight one of the strongest diseases, then why wouldn't we do it more regularly to, to prevent them? 100%. And you, and you, you think when you're sick as well. You don't, you don't, you don't feel like eating, do you? Yeah, you know, no, I can't even look at food. Mm. You know, the body, the body knows naturally that it needs to heal. So you're, you're not even thinking about food whatsoever. So the body gets into that, um, that mode where it's promoting healing because you, you got a virus or you've got something, you got the flu. Um, and another, another cool story was two years ago, I had a, uh, so I, that second operation. I still had a small disc bulge and I played for the next eight years with that and I managed it. But towards the end of my career, and it was, this only happened two years ago and I was retired, um, a piece of that disc had broke off. The tissue had just broke off and it was floating in my back and it was actually giving me quite some discomfort. And so I got another MRI and the doctor said, mate, you need to get that taken out. It's a one, you've got a one centimeter diameter piece of tissue disc that's just floating. That's why you got, you're in this pain. And this is when I really started to get into the fasting piece. And I said, 
oh, I'm, I'm going to try and let my body break it down naturally. I'm going to give it a year. And he sort of laughed at me and, oh, yeah, yeah, good, good on you. <laughs> anyway, I, I MRI'd my back 10 months, 10 months later. And that, t- that tissue, that piece, had completely dissolved. My body completely metabolized it because um, that was dead tissue in the body. But I practiced mm-hmm. fasting most days and my body went and, and ate those dead tissues. So it, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful tool that we can use um, in everyday life and basically doesn't cost you a cent. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And you feel so mentally clear and physically, uh, you know, able. Do you train in a fasted state? So you said you, you do your intermittent yeah. fasting five days a week. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I train in a fasted state as well. Um, so yeah, you, you do feel much more mental clarity, focus in tune with your body when you're fasting. Um, it's just a natural energy that you do get. Uh, and when you practice it um, daily or weekly, um, you'll just find that it's just easy. Now, like for me, like missing breakfast is is nothing. You know, I don't feel like oh, I need to eat. You know, um, yeah. Some mornings you're you're hungrier than others, so you you just uh, you, you eat. Sometimes you don't. It's I don't. I'm not rigid, um, I, but I know that my minimum is twelve hours. My minimum is twelve hours, and I and I feel really clear the longer I go into a fast and I get more energized. Um, so it's a pretty amazing tool. I'm exactly the same. I do it generally five out of seven, but some just every now and again, you just say, you know what, the body's telling me I've got to eat, and but it will be, yep. it might be twelve hours instead of eighteen hour window. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, you, I'm not rigid with it. Yeah, and and you and you really just train yourself. And you mentioned there that on the weekends are a bit more relaxed. So am I because you got to, you know, you want to be social or you you might have different things on. But I think also an important point there is a lot of people think that I talk to a lot of guys and come from a mining community. And when I talk to them about fasting, and they say, "Oh yeah, I do that. Sometimes I skip brekkie and I don't eat for until lunchtime." But the problem mm. is the foods that they're eating and the drinks that they're drinking before yes. and after that <laughs> so it comes yeah, this, back to making sure yes. you're having all the right quality and going through your steps at the same time well this that's this is a good point this is a great point because you know when you're in a fasted state and the body's promoting that healing and your growth hormones higher um when you go eat your next meal you want it to be a nutrient-dense meal good um food good quality protein good quality vegetables or whatever it may be that you're eating good quality fats because your body will suck that nutrition up straight away because you've you've been fasting for a bit so you want to you want to eat well after you you finished a fast because the body will just suck that nutrition up and use that for building blocks in the body now if we're eating processed foods on after a fast then you're just doing yourself no good at all. Yeah, absolutely. I've also been to one of the change room programs with you and you've been in the middle of a multi-day fast. How often do you do them and what's your window there? Yes, I've done um, many three-day fasts, so 72 hours where you know, I'm just drinking water only and maybe a little pinch of salt in the water for some minerals. But um, I, I, every every few months I try and, I try and do one, yeah. I Because I, the... the the research out now with extended fasting from three to six days is the body starts to um, uh, upregulate the stem cell production. So mm-hmm. your stem cell production can rise and that's, you know, we all know that stem cells can turn into whatever tissue the body needs. So that's, that's pretty, pretty powerful research out there at the moment. Um, so 
that's that's quite cool. But again, the the autophagy thing is, you know, when you're in that extended fasting for a day or two, the autophagy is the self eating and cleansing of the body and regulating all those damaged and old cells in the body, um, and the turnover of all those old cells and the making of new cells. That's that's when that happens. Um, so that's I'm really interested in that. So I've done you know many a three day fasts and. You know, even on day three, you wake up and, you know, hunger comes in waves, you know. If you smell food, you oh, mm, you know, food. But day three, I woke up with so much energy and I, I didn't feel hungry at all. Mm. Um, um, but, you know, I wouldn't say to, to anyone that I'd jump into a three-day fast, you know, you've got to <laughs> train the body up, not, you know, you just don't jump into a fast, three-day fast straight away. You know, I've been practicing this for a couple of years now. Um, but it is a, a great tool you can use to um, just stay healthy long term. Yeah, and then and, and you know that that those tissues that that may be in your body that um, the body will go to that and eat that first. And we've I've seen the results of that with those MRI scans and and that tissue been eating up from extended fasting. Yeah, I love that because you you've got the results, the proven results from you physically and mentally mm. and also you've done your research a lot by reading up on it and listening to podcasts and understanding the depth of it. That's it's super powerful to have both aspects. Mate, I'd, we'll move on in a sec to 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 talk about what you're doing post career now, but just something that always comes up. What do you say for people who think that it's expensive to buy this good quality food to eat properly, like organic yep. spray free or, you know, the whole foods compared to the cheap takeaway pizzas or just the easily accessible or even, you know, your, your sandwiches and things like that. Yep. Yeah. It's a good question there, which always gets raised. Um, that's, that's why when you get to know your local butcher to buy those, uh, those cheaper cuts, if you go in and, and go, oh, I want a T-bone steak or I want an eye fillet and, and grass-fed, it's obviously going to be a little bit more expensive, yes. Um, but if you get the lamb shank or the lamb shoulder or the osso buco, all that these these different cuts that need to be cooked for long and slow anyway, um, they're cheaper then. That's much cheaper. But when you look at it over a year span, and there's been studies on this as well, I think there's one out of Monash University, that it actually works out cheaper in the long run uh, for a family to eat this way than to eat the standard Australian diet. Now, you might go to the butcher or buy the uh, organic vegetables and they are more expensive when you go to pay the bill. But when you eat this way, you don't need to eat as much uh, and you're fuller for longer. Plus, you're not buying snack foods mm. every two hours or stocking up on the chips and the chocolates and the lollies and the soft drinks, you know, you, you, you're not buying that anymore. Um, or so, even the healthy, so-called healthy snack bars yeah, or so-called healthy uh, Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's right. Yeah, the, the, the drinks and juices, the snack bars and the cereals, you, you're not buying that anymore. And, and then the other piece of that is too, you become healthier. You don't visit the doctor as more frequently. You don't have to be on your prescription medication as well. Mm. So that's another added costs long-term. So when you look at it long-term, a year and longer for a family, it actually works out cheaper. The, the initial setup is obviously probably uh, dearer, but when you start to decrease that processed foods, um, you're not buying them more regularly anymore, you're eating more natural fats and good quality protein and vegetables and fruits, 
So then you're fuller for longer. You're not eating as much, you're eating two meals a day or you're eating three meals a day. So long-term, it works out a little bit cheaper. And then in the studies prove that as well. Brilliant. I love that. You mentioned there before too with your daughter. How old's your daughter and what's it like to raise children? There's a lot of parents that listen to this podcast and will be thinking, mm. you know, what's the shift there and um, talking about all this stuff. How applicable is it to children? Yep. So, yeah, I've got a five-year-old daughter um, in kindy and she loves chicken bone broth, loves it. So, <laughs> what I do is I cook her wheat-free pasta in it. So she'll have wheat-free pasta. She'll have pasta that's like a soup, like a soupy pasta in, in bone broth. And she loves that. Um, she also, there's a natural way to make pancakes as well, just with eggs and psyllium husk, which is mm-hmm. like a plant-based fiber. And you whisk that up and the, the psyllium husk will make it um, more of a thick sort of uh, paste. And, that, and you put that on the pan or fry it in butter. And that's like a natural pancake. She loves those. She has eggs. Um, she, for, for breakfast, I, I either give her a natural pancake, eggs, or a, a smoothie, a chalk banana smoothie. Um, so that's just coconut water, uh, collagen powder, uh, cacao, raw cacao is a natural antioxidant, high-powered mm-hmm. antioxidant, and it's raw form. And I throw a banana in it, and it tastes like a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> so there's there's all these ways that you can um, still offer great nutrition for your kids um, and make it making it fun for them, helping them cook with you and all that type of stuff um, as well. Um, but you know, well, she's a kid as well. So when I go out and there's a party on, or she's going to a friend's party, then I let her be a kid, you know. But her foundation at home is really strong. And that's the same with me. My foundation is very meticulous and strong at home. But, you know, if I'm going to dinner with friends for a birthday, then I'm going to enjoy myself. Yes, of course. And same with my daughter. I let her run around and have the cupcakes and whatever at a party. But then, you know, at home it's, uh, it's, it's good food. Yeah, I love that approach. That, that, and I can imagine that as a parent, I've only got a, an 11-week-old at the moment, but I can imagine as yes. they get older and they start to get exposed to other kids' school lunchboxes yep. and parties well, yeah, so, like that. Yeah, with, with the lunchbox, that's, that's a, a good one that we haven't brought up as well. So I've, got, I've bought a you know, um, stainless steel bento box for her and you know, I rotate with like, uh, boiled eggs, strawberries, um, uh, cheese, um, you know, different types of fruits, obviously. Um, and then, you know, she'll have tuck shop once a week where she'll get like a sourdough toasted cheese sandwich. She likes that. Um, but then, you know, I, I don't feed her bread every day either. Mm-hmm. You know, every, she'll have tuck shop once a week. And, you know, because you can, you can get into the trap of feeding a kid um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, bread every day. Mm. You know, and I don't, I don't. Um, if I do buy bread, it's not. It's a good sourdough bread, um, but I hardly buy bread at home anymore. And, and that, that's, you know, that's that's a challenge to some people because bread is a staple in their in their home, <clears throat> but. When you do it for a long period of time and you rotate um, from, you know, different types of fruits to vegetables, cucumbers, carrot sticks, boiled eggs, cheese, um, 
you know, seaweed um, sort of chips or whatever they, they are and some other different types of fruits and vegetables. Um, it's, you know, she's, she naturally just has it, you know, and that's a good way where you can control a little bit of their food intake through their lunch boxes each day. And then, you know, once a week, uh, give her a treat and she can have the have tuck shop. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a good approach. Um, mm. Mate, we could obviously keep talking about the nutritional aspects for days. It just goes on yeah, and on it. and there's lots of different reasons, <laughs> I believe, like why we still eat this way in society and we could talk about the Australian food pyramid and just everything like yeah. that. <laughs> Very cognizant of your time there. But I, I do want to just talk a little bit about here about your transition, what you're doing now. Um, you're obviously doing a lot of this this work in the health and uh, wellness space, but I wanted to hear you talk about MiniFit too. I've got a private yep. Facebook group for this podcast and I gave the guests uh, an opportunity to ask you a question, let them know that you were coming on. Yep. And I've got this one from Tim that I, that I wanted to ask and he says, I'd love to know how Anthony feels about how his space of athlete transition and finding a deeper purpose is going to evolve in the near future. Mm. Tim says, I'm so passionate about this space. Yeah, it, it, this is a great question because, you know, when you retire from professional sport, it's really hard for the athletes to find that purpose, find a new purpose, you know what I mean? And um, for me, it was a natural progression because I, if I didn't get injured for those four years in a row, would I be on this podcast right now? Would I be working in the change room? Would I have mini fit? Probably not. So that was a huge learning curve for me that period. And most people go, oh, it must have been a dark time in your career. But looking back, that was the time where I evolved. I, I, I educated myself. Um, so that was the making of me, really. So for someone that goes through and doesn't have that significant change and then they retire, then, that, that, and I've had, my mates still struggle with this, they're still trying to find their purpose because, you know, when you play professional sport, it's it's pretty much one of the best jobs in the world, as you know. Like you, you train for a living with your mates, you go on trips, you get highs of highs, you're holding up trophies and all that type of stuff. It's really hard to replicate in modern modern day uh, work work life. Um, so it is a interesting space uh, for me. I was lucky because. I now have a new passion in this health and fitness space, health and wellness space, and I'm I'm so interested in in, in it and learning more and, and keep learning more. And I stayed at the one club for 18 years as well. So they initially said, yep, here's a role for you here. You can be an ambassador at our club. Um, you always be attached to the club here. And I had mini fit already set up. So my transition was a lot smoother. But it's, it was still, I reckon, still a three, four-year process where you start to now feel comfortable in your own skin, um, which is which is tough for for other people that um, that can't find a new purpose, you know. And that's why you, you see people struggle. Uh, we've seen in the media, we're, not just rugby league, in, in in a lot of other sports as well. And yeah, so that that purpose of yours, obviously coming through, it, it's so interesting to hear people talk about pain points in that way on reflection because it's one thing to sit and be a victim of your injuries and your circumstances in the moment, but you obviously had that ability to, it would have been mentally draining for you, but that ability to say, well, shit, there's got to be 
other ways. I'm asking other questions and, and that's what got you, like you said, to where you are now. Mm. Really, um, power, the, the power of reflection in that, which is bloody beautiful. But you mentioned there MiniFit. Tell us about MiniFit. Yeah, so yeah, go, when I was going through those injury periods, I was like, you know, I was a cabinet maker by trade and I was like, what, you know, what if I don't come back and play footy? What am I, what am I going to do? I don't really want to go back and work on the tools. Um, so I always loved working with kids uh, when, they, when the Roosters did their holiday clinics or uh, did promos with um, um, footy clinics with, with kids. I always loved that aspect of um, working with them and, and showing them a bit of uh, rugby league skills and drills and, and seeing the happiness on their faces. So I, I sort of just registered MiniFit in 2010 as a business name and I just had it there. And then I sort of got into the school system because some schools or most schools now don't have PE teachers anymore. They outsource their physical activity. So I sort of got into a few schools and was doing 10-week terms and it was based around um, uh, fitness, uh, fitness, general fitness and, and rugby league drills and skills. And then then it sort of developed into um, a partnership with Leagues Clubs Australia and and doing holiday clinics just for their member clubs. So now I talk about um, health and fitness uh, in these clinics where it'll be different drills on rugby leagues, um, it'll be general fitness, games, and also talking about the importance of whole foods and um, and chatting to the kids about decreasing their processed food and sugary drinks and having more eating more whole foods to grow up healthy and strong and then talk about their hydration and then talk about their sleep and trying to get 10 to 12 hours of sleep as a kid. Um, and if they can do that, um, then they'll be growing up nice and healthy and, and nice and strong. Um, so that's now every school holidays. Uh, I'm quite busy going to different clubs uh, around sort of Western Sydney. Um, work with clubs like Wentworthville Leagues and Liverpool Catholic Club and Rudy Hill RSL and St Mary's Rugby League Club and I, I run clinics for these clubs in the school holidays and uh, yeah, holiday times is, is busy which is great which I love No wonder you've got to stay fit and healthy mate to keep up with all the kids that you're running around with every That's school it. holidays <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what a brilliant program that you run to introduce them to those key elements of life that's not that's not about being a great footballer that's about being a great human when you look at movement nutrition sleep and hydration that's what we all need yeah totally yeah and it's just you know with the kids it's getting the conversation started you know ask the question you know what happens what happens if we ate processed food every day and they they put their hand up so you get sick or people say you get diabetes you know they they come up with all the right answers they know Mm -hmm. then what happens if we ate good food what happens if we ate whole foods every day what will happen Oh, you'll be fit, you'll be strong, you won't get big. Now, all that type of stuff. So we, we get the conversation going. I give them a booklet on some tips as well. Um, and, yeah, so it's it's an important part because obviously our, our children need to be um, sort of eating the right foods because, and you know, when we were, when we were growing up, there wasn't that – well, there was processed foods around, but there wasn't as much as it is now. And it's just getting sort of worse and worse as we get into the years, you know, the, the easiness of tapping a button and ordering food or the, the 
the advertising and the, the shopping markets everywhere or the, the food outlets and it's just so easy to, to grab something that's processed out of a packet than to cook cook yourself. So just trying to um, educate the kids on why good food matters. Oh, I love it. And that so aligns with what you were saying there about purpose because I was just thinking about, you know, I've seen you on some TAB ads and some other classic ads and you're obviously still doing yeah. a lot in the NRL, but to see and hear you talk about food and nutrition with the stuff you're doing with the change room program with these kids, that's, that you know, that's coming from your heart and soul. You can hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. That, that's, that's what, you know, the, the change room program and mini fitter, my my two passions and my two you know businesses that I want to sort of grow and and that's you know, you know you, you as you retire you you do everything you know you 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 jump on board and you just get out there and you you're finding your way really um, but you know the change room and mini fitter the two of my long term things that I'll have forever hopefully when when you say that with that retirement do you mean you say yes to a lot of things in fear that you don't really know how long those opportunities are going to be there for example media opportunities and things like that yeah because you know when you when it comes time to retire and like for me I already had the rooster job there and I had mini fit set up but you're still worried about shit what am I going to do like you know it's just that natural worry when you've done something your whole life most of your life and then now that's finished and you've got to do something brand new so you you know if someone asks you to come on the the footy show or do a, a media piece or jump on board with tab or do something then i was willing to say yes to everything and then as you navigate through the years you start to refine where you what road you want to go down mm. um, and i'm pretty lucky that i've got uh, two avenues there with the change room and mini fit that avenues that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Oh, I love it, mate. That's brilliant. Like I said before too, with, this, with so much we could talk about, I've already held you up for oh, no, longer than <laughs> I was uh, thinking. No, it's so all good. <laughs> just a, a couple of quick questions before we wrap up. So firstly, I ask everyone this and what do you believe is good action for people to take to make more of an impact in their own lives and in their communities. Um, yeah, I, I think um, well, for yourself then is just trying to use those four steps: the source of your food, the process of it, uh, decreasing the um, processed foods, and then you know, try and practice the twelve-hour digestion rest, intermittent fasting. But in 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 general, is to just have gratitude of you know the country that we live in and, and to, to be nice to others, um, you know, and that's, that's sort of lost in certain um, aspects of life these days is the, you know, how, how would you know, treat someone how you would like to be treated yourself? That's, that's what I say. Love it. Gratitude and kindness are new best friends. That's what I often say to people. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's great. I love that. <laughs> so two-part question here, where can – the listeners learn more about you. So are you on social media or the website, et cetera? And then how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Yeah. Um, so I'm on, I'm on Instagram, but I, I haven't, I've sort of, haven't sort of um, developed, uh, I want to change the, you know, you want to sort of get into that Instagram with the food and stuff, but I want to get into that, but I haven't, haven't done that yet because um, 
I'm in between houses at the moment. And I want to start throwing some some food that I cook up on Instagram. So I'm going to slowly move into that space. Um, but yeah, minifit.com.au is um, where my kids' clinics are. And we've got uh, a couple of clinics coming up in the holidays. And then in October holidays will probably be a big one. Um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And on LinkedIn as well. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate that. Easy done. Yeah, I'll link all that up in the show notes too. Now, to finish off, one of my top core values, Mini, is giving. And I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast. And mate, I'd love to give you a gift to re-gift. It aligns with what you were saying there before about that kindness. So yeah. yeah. Think of someone in your community, someone you believe could really benefit from this and it's completely in alignment with what we've been talking about today and that's a, a place yep. in our upcoming online program which is called Optimal You, how to transform yep. and optimize your gut health and gut brain connection. So I've actually collaborated nice. with uh, my functional medicine practitioner, Carl Hewen, who I've been working with for quite a few years and yep. Yeah, we ran a, a round of it a while ago, a few months ago, and we had amazing feedback and results from the participants and a lot of the stuff that you're, you're teaching and your philosophies. So I'll let you have awesome. a look about that one, mate. It might be someone that, you know, some a family from the Minifit community or something like that that pops into mind. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, I appreciate that. I'll, um, I'll think of someone and that they will definitely benefit from that. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Absolutely. Now, before we finish up, is there anything else you want to say to the listeners or anything you'd like to ask me? Um, well, you know, your story is amazing itself and I love working with you at the change room and um, yeah, it's, it's such a great program, isn't it? Uh, the, the change room, I've often spoken about it on this podcast because yep. it's, you know, it's teaching the things, the elements of what it means to be human again in a world where we're mm. so distracted by whether it's technology, whether it's, you know, prescription medication yep. or the wrong foods or media mm. society, the mental, physical, emotional aspects that we're, that we're missing out on. And, and to hear the results that people get in that program and the way that it's run and with the follow-up, it's, it's just, it really I get excited about jumping on the plane to come down for those events because I know, you know what, people are about to, their lives are about to change significantly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love the program as well and, mate, uh, love working with you there as well, mate. Likewise, mate. Minnie, you're a legend. You're an inspiring leader in the health and wellbeing space that's showing everybody at every level how bringing our choices back in alignment with what it means to be human is how our minds, mm. bodies and souls truly thrive keep shining your impactful light to the world my man i uh, love it rob i appreciate you having me on mate there you go guys i trust you took a lot of value from this one and i hope it's made you think a little bit differently about what you're putting into your mouth and why and also not just about that but the the aspects of intermittent fasting and how we can help our body not just by ingesting food and liquid and supplements etc make sure you check out minifit and share that brilliant concept around and if you're interested to make better choices around your health and well-being in alignment with what you've heard Minnie and i are talking about today remember to check out our gut health and gut brain connection program online where we go into everything and so much more about what you heard today it really is designed as a knowledge and resource program 
for you to make better choices to improve the quality of your life and enjoy life more. Check out all the details at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.